0: From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. On August 23rd, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was about to leave for North Korea to continue discussions on nuclear disarmament when he abruptly canceled the trip because of something North Korea said. There's no excuse for their behavior. Ambassador Joe Detrani is former U.S. Special Envoy for Six-Party Talks with North Korea. Apparently, Washington was fed up with Pyongyang's antics.
1: Nasty notes from your vice foreign minister and that are critical of the United States and our vice president. But
0: apparently, North Korea sent a letter to President Trump that went way overboard.
1: There was a message, reportedly there was a message that came in from Kim Jong-chol, the counterpart of Mike Pompeo, that that upset President Donald Trump, and uh, he, he postponed or you know uh, Pompeo's visit to uh, to North Korea. This is this is sort of how North Korea operates.
0: So, is North Korea serious about denuclearization? We'll examine it in depth coming up on this edition of Target USA,
1: the National Security Podcast.
0: Target USA is brought to you by Northrop Grumman. In today's battle space, situations change rapidly. That's why Northrop Grumman's innovative C4ISR technology offers unprecedented mission capability. That's the value of performance. Northrop Grumman. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. This is Target USA.
1: The National Security Podcast.
0: I'm J.J. Green. In March of 2018, North Korea said it would suspend its nuclear and missile testing programs if the U.S. would sit down and discuss how to improve relations. President Donald Trump and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un did that in June of 2018 at the Singapore Summit. At that time Pyongyang said it would completely give up its nuclear program if it were to get security guarantees. Skeptics found that hard to believe and U.S. officials and former officials who know about negotiating with North Korea have not been able to determine whether North Korea is serious or not. But one thing is clear Pyongyang's hostile actions towards the U.S. recently have not helped its case. And on this episode we're going to hear from a man You've heard from before on this program discussing North Korea. He's also sat at the table with North Korea negotiating. Ambassador Joseph Detrani from 2003 to 2006 was the special envoy for six-party talks with North Korea and the U.S. representative to the Korea Energy Development Organization. Ambassador Detrani, you seem to be pretty optimistic that the U.S. and North Korea were on a solid path Uh, to improve the U.S.-North Korea uh, nuclear concerns, uh, at least the concerns that the U.S. had about North Korea's nuclear program. It seems since then that there's been uh, some backtracking on the part of North Korea. Could you put that into context for us?
1: Well, you know, J.J., again, compared to a year ago, I mean, we're in a better position. I mean, a year ago, we were looking at the possibility of stumbling into uh, conflict potential nuclear conflict on the Korean peninsula right right now. I mean, we're talking, there have been no missile launches, no nuclear tests, and we're talking about resolving this nuclear issue with complete verifiable dismantlement of North Korea's nuclear weapons and facilities. I think the hang-up right now is what goes first. North Korea right from the beginning, has said very clearly, they need security assurances for them uh, for Kim Jong-un to dismantle his nuclear weapons programs, I mean, having spent billions of dollars and years and decades working on it, uh, they need security assurances, they need a, a path to normal relations with the United states and and economic development assistance. So I think right now is uh, we're saying, okay, but the core issue is denuclearization. Which we've defined very clearly for them as complete, verifiable, uh, irreversible dismantlement of all their nuclear weapons and facilities. We're saying we need a declaration of your nuclear weapons and your nuclear weapons facilities and personnel, and a verification protocol that will permit monitors to leave declared uh, nuclear sites, mainly the uh, their plutonium facility at Yongbyon, and visit non-declared suspect uh, nuclear sites. And I think the hang-up now is North Korea saying, yes, we understand that, but uh, we would want a declaration and and ultimately a, a peace treaty to end the Korean War. This gives us that element of, of security. And uh, we also like some sanctions lifted. So I think the issue now is uh, what goes first. I mean, my sense, having worked this issue in the Six-Party Talks, when we had actions for actions, commitments for commitments, is, well, if, uh, if the U.S. is prepared to give them a declaration that ends the Korean War, North Korea has to reciprocate and indeed give us, uh, us not only the U.S., but certainly South Korea, Japan, and, and those other countries that were uh, involved in the six-body process, but certainly e- even others.
0: Well, Joe, it's sorry to interrupt, but sure. it seems to the outsider looking in that North Korea is moving the goalpost on this. They knew from the outset that um, they needed to talk about what this list was, and you spoke to us about this specifically, that they had to provide a list. Yes. You didn't give a time frame, obviously, because you don't know what that time frame would be, but that seemed to be the first thing that would need to be done. But now they're saying, okay, yeah, we know that, but um, by the way, we'd like this first. Isn't this essentially the same thing that they've done in the past, moving the goalpost?
1: Well, you know, J.J., uh, I guess I've worked too long with the North Koreans. and I, I do see some of these issues from their optic. If they're talking about security assurances, I mean, uh, they're saying if we give you a declaration of all our facilities and nuclear weapons and personnel, this is irreversible. I mean, we've given you the jewels and, and you could, you know, uh, obviously, if uh, we go into a hostile type environment, you could even use it against us. Uh, so they're saying is, we need assurances before we give that to you, or I, I would think concurrent with that, they get those uh, assurances, which is a declaration of an intent to end the Korean War with a, with a, eventually a peace treaty. So
0: then how do they get that? How do they get that while they're actually spewing out Negative rhetoric towards the U.S. is that getting them any closer to?
1: No, your points are good points. The uh, you know North Korea has a tendency of of really uh, being um, you know uh, indignant, uh, offensive, and when you confront them with that, they say, "Well, you know, this is just you know this is rhetoric. You don't you, you can't take us too seriously." Well, we do take you seriously when you when you send nasty notes from your vice foreign minister and that are critical of the United States and our vice president when you most recently I guess there was a message reportedly there was a message that came in from uh, Kim jong chol, the counterpart of Mike Pompeo, that uh, the, uh, that upset President Donald Trump and uh, he, he postponed or you know uh, pompeo's visit to uh, to north korea this is this is sort of how North Korea operates uh, on, on, on do they need
0: on, do they need sorry to interrupt again
1: sure do they
0: need Basically, to, to learn again how international diplomacy works. Is that the problem here?
1: Well, I, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, but JJ, they've not been part of this. You know, they've been outliers for so many years and they march to their own tune. Uh, that I think they're somewhat oblivious to how they Impact affect others. There's no excuse for their behavior. I I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, There's no excuse for any of that. But I think what we're seeing now is we did have a good summit. I think with the President Donald Trump and Kim Jong Un, there were two good summits with uh, President Moon Jae In. A number of meetings with President Xi Jinping. We do have a Panmunjom declaration, uh, a Singapore declaration that c- commits North Korea to complete denuclearization, which we say is complete, verifiable, irreversible dismantlement. So, so I mean we've had significant progress, and what North Korea is, I think what we're I'm hearing. At least i 'm sensing from North Korea, and I just came back from South Korea from discussions with the South Koreans before that with the Chinese and Russians is that uh, north korea is is prepared to provide a declaration, but they need some some deliverables from the u s and that 's why i 'm saying maybe both sides you know I mean this could be you know simultaneous uh, actions on the part of both sides. Uh, you know, they can get a declaration, and, but they better give us. And I, and I hate to put terms like that down. That language uh, is kind of offensive to me also. But they, they can't obfuscate on, this, uh, on the core issue, which is giving us a declaration of the nuclear weapons and programs and signing a verification protocol. That's the key issue. If they can't do that, we really, we really have uh, no reason to be optimistic that uh, things can be resolved peacefully.
0: What is it that the U.S. can do differently or better that would make North Korea more comfortable and in a position from your perspective to make this
1: work? Well, I don't know that we can do it better. I think what we could do, uh, and, and I think we're doing that with the Secretary Pompeo, he now has a special a representative. He's got a team working at that state. This is a 24-7 uh, job. I mean, negotiating with North Korea. I mean, it took us over two years to get the joint statement in two thousand uh, September of two thousand and five. So it's uh, it's ensuring that uh, you know uh, North Korea understands that uh, uh, a declaration is necessary, a comprehensive declaration and a verification protocol, and some understanding of of what they need from us. To reciprocate again in the in the in the mode of actions for actions, are they looking for a declaration of our commitment to end the Korean War with a peace treaty? Are they looking for a liaison office? Things we're prepared to do. Uh, are they looking? Uh, you know, if they're talking about sanctions generically, what are the, what do they mean? So they need to be forthcoming as as to what they need, so that we get to the core issue which is denuclearization, and that process starts with a comprehensive declaration of their facilities and a verification protocol.
0: Ambassador Joe Detrani, former U.S. Special Envoy for the Six-Party Talks with North Korea back in the early 2000s. So, is North Korea really serious about this? They've been down this road of negotiations before. A lot of progress was made, but then they backtracked. That when we come back. You're listening to Target USA,
1: the National Security Podcast.
0: Target USA is brought to you by Northrop Grumman. Northrop Grumman's innovative C4 ISR technology offers unprecedented mission capability, enabling faster, more assured decisions. That's the value of performance. Northrop Grumman.
1: I am Jonathan Vsevov. I am the ambassador of Estonia to the United States, and you are listening to Target USA.
0: I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA.
1: The National Security Podcast.
0: On this program, we're talking with Ambassador Joe Detrani, former U.S. Special Envoy for six party talks with North Korea from 2003 to 2006 their mission was to find a solution to get North Korea to denuclearize on this program we've heard him talk about why North Korea may be slow to move but we wanted to ask him what if North Korea did exactly what they did when he was negotiating with them come up with a deal sign it and then backtrack here's the conversation ambassador you know, one of the things that's that's very clear about this, this opaque nation-state that is North Korea is that they have been down this road before. You were at the table when they yes. went down this road one of those times, and a mm-hmm. lot of progress was made. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, later on, they decided essentially to roll it back, to essentially forget it, you know, start it all over again. And so is there any sense... In your mind, that this is a different scenario this time?
1: You know, JJ, I do think it's different. I mean, I, I, I believe Kim Jong-un, he started this, if we remember, in in his New Year's address in January of 2018, when he said he wants to focus on economic development for North Korea. Uh, he claimed North Korea had a nuclear deterrent capability. We don't have to prove ourselves any longer so I want uh, I want to focus on economic development, and he reached out to South Korea. He also reached out to the United States through South Korea. He's had all these summits. We've have all these joint statements. Singapore, Panmunjom. Yes, I think there is a difference here. I think he saw that sanctions were biting, and they were, and the joint military exercises were very intimidating. And and he said, "Well, I, if I want economic development, I I I can't get it with sanctions, that abiding that uh, that severely, and with the intimidation of these joint military exercises, which is a th- which would was viewed, I think, from his optic, as a threat to the regime." He said, "I need to, I need to get out of this box, if you will." And and focus on, on economic development. And if the only way I could do that, then is to give up my nuclear weapons. But I need security assurances and I need assurances that I will get the path to uh, economic well-being for the country and survival for him, if you will. He's looking at a long life. So, security assurances, economic development assistance, ultimately a normal relationship with the U.S. These are all part of his equation. But I guess we have to always look back to the genesis here, which is the security, which were the, the if you will, the sanctions that were really biting, the joint military exercises that were very intimidating, and the realization that he would not, they were, we would not walk away from those two uh, pillars of our approach to North Korea unless North Korea denuclearized. So he was confronted with the faith accompli. Either if you if you want economic development and a normal relationship, you have to get rid of your nuclear weapons. Obviously, JJ, if he could get uh, sanctions lifted and 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 basically, you know, uh, get economic development and not be threatened with joint military exercises. Sure, he would want to retain his nuclear weapons. He said that. They've said it for 25 years. They want to retain their nuclear—they want to be accepted as a nuclear weapon state. The point is we've made it clear North Korea with nuclear weapons would be a threat to the region. It would be a proliferation threat. Other countries would seek nuclear weapons, nuclear arms race— the possibility of selling weapons or fissile materials to terrorist organizations is there, considering what they did with Syria and Al-Kabar, uh, permitting the Syrians and uh, going back to early 2000 to build a nuclear, uh, 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 if you will, a facility in Al-Kabar, Syria. So, so JJ, I think he's been, uh, he's been confronted with the faith accompli. You want economic development? This is a young man. He studied in Switzerland. He knows how backward North Korea is. Look, they just did a study with the the United Nations, and the joint study comes out with over 40% of the population in North Korea is is malnourished. I mean, this is not the country he wants. So I believe he does want a different country. I think he does want economic development, and he knows he can't get that with nuclear weapons. And that's brought him to the table. Now, if if we're weak on sanctions— if we want to just do away with our joint military exercises, uh, there's really little incentive for him to walk away from his nuclear weapons. So we have to be persistent. We have to stay the course. We have to be patient. But, uh, but uh, we have to demand that it be complete, verifiable, irreversible dismantlement.
0: Ambassador, no disrespect to your knowledge and the time that you've spent uh, on this very difficult situation through uh, a number of North Korean leaders, you know, back to Kim, Kim Jong Il, his father. Uh, you know, the thing that m- most people have a hard time with in this situation is that here's a, and, and he is, as you say, a young man, a young leader that wants likely a long life, who took the lives of relatives, his own brother, his uncle. Mm -hmm. People who were respectable, respectful, uh, and people who actually spent a lot of time and a lot of effort uh, engaged in their own lives in a respectful and uh, respectable way. Um, But he took their lives. He's taken the lives of other people who were members of his uh, cabinet, uh, and he did it in uh, particularly brutal ways. So why do you think—what changed— What's made you believe that he's suddenly this individual that's concerned about uh, concerned about uh, everybody else in North Korea?
1: You know, J.J., those are excellent points. Uh, it is a brutal regime, and he did that to his half-brother. He did it to his uncle. He's consolidated power by purging uh, many of his uh, senior officials. That's why many believe, and I'm one of them, that he's consolidated power. He has people around him who share his vision. Uh, this is this is the this is the regime we're working with, JJ. I don't uh, dispute anything you've said, uh, but this is what we have. Now, why would he be interested in economic development? Why would he care about his people? Well, uh, I do think uh, you know he cares about uh, you know um, his survival number one. That's why security assurances uh, are the most important. If you will, uh, aspects, uh, tangibles for him right now. He wants to, you know. And those joint military exercises were intimidating, JJ. When we go back to 2017, we had strategic assets in the region, and 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 it was. uh, I would think if you're sitting in Pyongyang, you'd have to be a bit intimidated, if not more so. So he wants survival. So security assurances are there. He knows how poor the country is, JJ. He's lived outside. He's lived in Switzerland. Does he have empathy for the people? Look, in the last few months, he's visited over 30 uh, farms. He's visited factories. He's talked about uh, how uh, backward the country is economically and, and work they have to, they have to do to improve. So, you know, there is a sense that, and he's put that in, you know, even into the uh, constitution, you know, which is economic development and, and and uh, missile and nuclear capabilities. Now he says, "I've done the missile and nuclear stuff. Now I got to focus on the economics. So, so your your points are good, but uh, it's a question of uh, if he's made a strategic decision to tack in this direction. Let's see if he's serious.
0: Okay. So I uh, hear what you're saying. It is what it is, uh, and we're working with what we're working with. So, um, based on that, and one more question for you. You spent some time in Seoul. Um, what would you hear? What would you learn? Anything that uh, gave you any of this optimism that you seem to be uh, per- sharing with us today?
1: Well, JJ, it's got an optimism. What, what I heard in Seoul is that Seoul as was, uh, I think, some other countries. But certainly Seoul was disappointed in the postponement of um, Secretary of State Pompeo's visit to uh, Pyongyang, and now his delegation that's in Pyongyang uh, is talking about the critical issue. Initially, they were going to talk about inter-Korean relations. Now they're talking about the number one issue, which is denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula, which is a complete verifiable dismantlement of North Korea's uh, programs. So South Korea is saying, we, 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 we realize we have to be in sync totally with the United States. And I think they do appreciate North Korea would love to put a wedge between the South Koreans and the United States. So I think they understand that, and they understand that clearly, and I think they're going to be having this conversation. If there's a third summit with uh, President Moon Jae-in and Kim Jong-un, they will be talking about denuclearization and the need for a declaration and a verification protocol so that we start to dismantle those programs Uh, And in return for the deliverables that North Korea wants, security assurances, economic development assistance.
0: That's Ambassador Joe Detrani making a strong argument here on Target USA for continuing to talk with North Korea about denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Ambassador, thank you for your time. You're welcome. We reached out to the White House to get some feedback on where things stood with North Korea, and we heard back from a National Security Council spokesperson, and here is what that spokesperson said, and I quote, President Trump has achieved tremendous success so far. Remains have come back. Americans have returned. Testing of missiles or nuclear weapons has stopped. And a historic summit between the two leaders has taken place. Additionally, the recent parade in North Korea did not highlight their nuclear arsenal. We continue to work toward achieving the final, fully verified denuclearization of the DPRK, as agreed to by Chairman Kim. The president maintains his confidence that Chairman Kim will honor the commitments he made in Singapore and their handshake, end quote. Obviously a story we will continue to follow. That's it for this edition of the program. Coming up next is a very special program here on Target USA. Good afternoon. On February 16th, in a stunning announcement, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein revealed that 13 Russian nationals and three Russian companies had been indicted by a grand jury and paneled by the special counsel investigating allegations of Russian government interference in the U.S. political system, including the 2016 U.S. presidential election. Twelve of the individual defendants worked at various times for a company called Internet Research Agency, LLC, a Russian company based in St. Petersburg. The other individual defendant, Yevgeny Viktorovich Brogozin, funded the conspiracy through companies known as Concord Management and Consulting, LLC, Concord Catering, and many affiliates and subsidiaries. Rosenstein said the sophisticated effort, which cost millions of dollars, began in 2014 and employed hundreds of people. My name is Marat Mindyarov. I'm 43. I'm from Orenburg, but I do live nearby St. Petersburg now, and I'm a courier. Marat was one of those hundreds of people working at the Internet Research Agency on what Rosenstein said was called Project Lakta. On December 15, 2014, Marat began working at the now-infamous Internet Research Agency building at 55 Solvaskina Street in St. Petersburg, better known in the West as the Troll Factory. Coming up on our next episode, The Tale of the Troll. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Please, subscribe to our podcast, and also let me know what you think. Send me an email at jgreen@wtop.com. at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. J Green at WTOP.com. I'm JJ Green, and this is Target USA,
1: the National Security Podcast.
0: Target USA is brought to you by Northrop Grumman. In today's battle space, situations change rapidly. That's why Northrop Grumman's innovative C4 ISR technology offers unprecedented mission capability that's the value of performance Northrop Grumman If you like my show you're going to love the Jordan Harbinger show here on Podcast 1 Jordan dives deep into the untapped wisdom of the world's top performers from intelligence operatives to legendary musicians iconoclastic writers to visionary change makers listen free each week on Podcast 1 or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.